What's happening? Howdy ho. Oh, man. Oh, this is one of those tough Saturdays for me. <laughs> I just couldn't find, uh, couldn't find the motivation I was looking for today, dude. <laughs> Bro, I lived that life 24-7. You know what I did today? Instead of like practicing on things I should be practicing on, I went and bought a fly rod because I was like, I like fly fishing. <laughs> I haven't been in 20 years, but I like fly fishing. Nice. Um, I'm really excited about this episode, dude. I, uh, I've been fascinated with life after death and what happens to us when we die for a very, very long time. And I don't have the answer. <laughs> Not I got the answer, the answer that I hope. Do you, do we, is there something after this? No, nope, we're done. Once we hit the ground, we're done. <laughs> you think we're done? No, I'm just kidding. But... <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a very depressing start to this episode. <laughs> There's nothing but blackness when we get to the ground. I mean, is that a bad thing, though? If if this is it, and when we're dead, we're dead. Is that a bad thing? Well, man, there's some. There's so many different theories. You know what I mean? Like, there's so... And nobody knows. That's the, that's the thing that makes people scared of it. Because yeah. nobody knows. Um, But, uh, like, I, like, I'll say this. I mean, according to science, you cannot destroy energy. So... And our nervous system, our brains, everything, it's all electrical energy that that fires off and everything else. Sure. So, I mean, where does that energy go when we die? I, I mean, does it ascend? Does it just kind of, it's there in the, in the jumbo of the universe and then it, or the gumbo of the universe, and then it goes around again and re-manifests itself through, through life again? Um, is there... Is there, or does Buddha, or do the Buddhists have it right? And we just keep coming back until we get it right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's um, like, what if, what if the light at the end of the tunnel is you coming out another vagina? <laughs> Man, that, that'd be tough because I'd be like, shit, I didn't even get a break. <laughs> like, Bro, I mean, you, you can take a break. Either. Shit. The break is <laughs> your mom about to pop a titty in the mouth <laughs> and you're just chilling. <laughs> Oh man! Because um, think about think about how fast kids pick stuff up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's crazy how smart kids are and how fast they pick stuff up. Yeah. So what if they already have the knowledge? They just got to teach the old the new little body how to use it, and then by the time they start to get older, they forget more about their past life and just know their current life. I mean, it's possible, right? I mean, anything's possible. We don't know. We're we're actually covering three different topics tonight. It's gonna to be yes, a, we are. It's gonna be jam packed. We're gonna talk about life after death. We're gonna talk about near death experiences, and we're gonna talk about reincarnation too, because I think it all plays a little bit of a part. And uh, you know, I've also heard that we actually choose the lives we live and the people that are involved in our lives, which I think is very interesting. My my wife is very big on you talk, you speak. Mm -hmm. things into existence like she's very she's very big on that and i mean i there there's credit to it you know what i mean like there's speaking of she just wandered out of the bedroom and scared shit out of me <laughs> nice <clears throat> oh she's gonna make some noise everybody hang on oh that's all right I'm so actually, anyway i'm waiting for my wife and daughter to get home and i think uh i think my daughter's gonna go right through that door here any minute i'm not sure we'll see 
bro, nothing will beat the night that that door creeped open and then creeped right back shut. Oh, uh, yeah, that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> huh? <clears throat> Your hair looks nice. I'd like to know in the chat, just to, just answer this blanket question. Is there life after death? Yes or no? I'd like to hear the answers to that. I'm curious how you guys feel. Um, I believe there is something after this this uh, this life. I'm not sure what it is. Um, I'm not even sure what I what I think it is. But um, we're gonna watch a, a video or two in each of these categories. We're gonna try to keep it tight tonight, not too long. But uh, let's. Uh, I have keep it tight. Yeah, I just I just pulled up the the basic topics into YouTube to see what we'll find. Matt, I want you to help me decide which videos we take a look at tonight. Okay. All right, let's do this. All right. So first we're going to look at near death experiences. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, obviously the dude that looks like he's about to poop himself. <laughs> There's a no. lot of interesting ones and some of them, I feel like they're clickbait, but, uh, that one feels like clickbait. Okay, let's scroll down. Let's take me through the list. Take me through the list. Okay. She died and God questioned her during her life review. Okay. She, the other side learns how little we all really know. Okay. Paramedic is electrocuted, shown afterlife, and that we are infinite consciousness. Ooh, see, this kind of plays into what I feel like might yeah. be the case. This guy says, man goes to hell and sees this famous false prophet. Okay. <laughs> that's uh, that's kind of dark. Scientists put a camera in a coffin for research purposes, and when they turn it on, they scream. That looks like bullshit. Um, that is a uh, that's a clickbaity. Yeah, uh, fourteen-year-old crosses over, gets taught about negative thoughts during near-death experiences. I promise you, we go on. Interesting. Near-death experience uh, about a lady and her dog. Man dies, sees future, and says, "Don't freak out." <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> The old Route 66 Snatcher. I don't know why that's on there. Um, these are all previously. These are your oh, previous. Oh, I see. Years. I see. My bad. All right. Uh, um, man, I'm feeling like the paramedic one. The paramedic one. Yeah. Paramedic is like, okay, let's give it a shot. Let's do it. I mean, it's got 433,000 views. It's posted yeah. four months okay. ago. I feel like it's a solid if one. you or a loved one is struck. Did you get that audio, Matt? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Perfect. All right. Do you agree with the uh strongly disagree? <laughs> All right, here we go. Hi, my name's Adam Tapp, and I had a near-death experience February 28th, 2018, where I was electrocuted to death, and I was dead for around 11 and a half minutes before being resuscitated. And this is my story. So I know I've been a paramedic for 20 years now. And I do a lot of woodworking, which I find cathartic and it's a form of, I guess, emotional release to some extent. And I was doing sort of a technique of wood etching called a Lichtenberg device, where you take a microwave transformer and basically strip every possible safety feature from it and hook it up to a wall, 110 volts AC, and it basically turns it into 12,000 volts DC. And this highly dangerous machine <laughs> basically etches these interesting coral patterns into wood. And so I was... Aaron, I was cracking, I was cracking jokes. I think there's something after... We had a beer, and we were sitting by my shop, and we were etching this piece of wood. And Ooh. conveniently enough, he had taken a high voltage safety course about two weeks before, which is profoundly... Very tight-lipped, huh? And I remember I was talking to him, and I was moving the electrodes one by one. <laughs> 
and it just arced I think you meant God. Hand, and it was just this <laughs> snap from reality. It was All almost right. overwhelming. It was like this intense, intense level of absolute pain. Like every single cell in my body was being pulled into pieces. That and sounds it was fun. Overwhelming to a <laughs> yeah. point where I didn't understand God. what was happening. It was almost as if everything had shut down and it was just everything in my vision was these vertical cylinders were sort of this iridescent green that went up and down forever. I remember trying to focus a thought amongst the energy and I think it was like I'm, I'm being electrocuted and then I think I thought I'm falling and I felt like I was falling for ages and then it was just like waking up from a nap someplace that I'd always been. It was this perfect inky blackness. It was almost like deep space where it was like there's lights in the distance, like these twinkling stars to some extent, but it was just this perfect blackness. It was like I was seen spherically from a single point outwards. Like I had just become a single point of awareness. And I wasn't Adam, I wasn't dead, I wasn't anything. I was just perfect, like absolute contentment. And I was just in this space for time. Like there, there was no sense of consistency with anything. It was just simply existing as awareness. And then I felt sort of this frequency start washing over me. And it was like, it was like this fractal patterns. And it was like gasoline on water, this rainbow effect. It was iridescent to some extent. And it was just this juxtaposition of thoughts and feelings and emotions. And I felt myself sort of being pulled into pieces and deposited into everything. It was like basically becoming fabric of the universe. And it was absolutely perfect. Like there was no fear and there was nothing. This was just the natural progression of what every single one of us is going to do, just back to the source, back to this infinite consciousness or infinite complexity. And then all of a sudden I started being electrocuted again. And at the time I didn't understand what was happening, but- Sounds like a DMT trip. I was defibrillated twice. I was in a, a ventricle fibrillation arrhythmia, which is basically the heart spasming. And so I was defibrillated and the defibrillation takes 0.5 seconds, but this was, this was like minutes, if I can even say that, of being electrocuted again. And then all of a sudden it stopped. And now I'm aware that I've had them, that I'm dead, that I've been electrocuted. And now I'm in this void of just a being. And it was a really long time that I was just there, maybe coming to terms with who and what I was and myself and my place in the universe. And I started being electrocuted again, which again was the second fibrillation. And I remember myself being pulled perhaps out or some variation of that. And then I think I maybe at one point acknowledged the smell of burnt flesh, which would have been my hands. My finger was burned off and I had third degree burns all over this hand. Jesus. And I was in a coma. I was for not ready hours, for that. Which was fine for me. It's wild. Everyone else who <laughs> thought I was brain dead. And, you know, I remember waking up in the ICU when I was innovated tube into my lungs and I had an interosseous needle drilled into my shoulder bone like my first thought was how long has it been and I remember like sort of being able to write something down my hands were all bandaged and you know maybe they said it's like eight hours or something and it blew my mind like I if someone had told me it had been five years or a decade I, I would have been completely on point with that but what was unique about the experience is after I was extubated and you know hugs from everyone and whatnot I remember like looking at myself and I could smell myself and not body odor in the sense of need to put deodorant on, but my natural pheromone of smell that we all have because we're primates. We just go to great lengths to hide it. But I was so hyper aware of my smell and the texture of my skin 
And I felt so deeply that I just got downgraded from this crazy supercomputer to this Commodore 2000, this pixelated screen. And that stuck with me for a long time. Like it was, it was like months of just feeling this way. And I remember saying to my wife, like, this isn't real, Like this isn't real. And I was a little alarmed by that. And, but eventually it just came back to the acceptance of being in my body and being in this space. But, you know, I, I was left with this overwhelming sense that this is just a stage. This is simply an evolution of consciousness. This is simply transient where we exist right now. And, you know, there wasn't any anthropomorphic figures or people in robes. It was just simply going back to the source of everything, which is this infinite consciousness that permeates everything. You know, simply the space between subatomic particles is consciousness. And, you know, I didn't want to read anything about other people's near-death experiences, but I didn't want it to change my interpretation of what had happened to me. But, you know, I had the traditional photophobia where I was going on Corey Hart wearing sunglasses at all times of day. Like it was even the light inside a house, which is almost be blinding to me. And another interesting thing too, is that the burns on my hands actually accelerated healing. I was told I would need skin grafts. And in a very short period of time, everything revascularized and started healing, which was interesting. I can't necessarily say that that's a consistency amongst people with NDEs, but it was very much this process of getting used to what I have to call a monkey suit now, because it very much is. It's, it's, a very, <laughs> it's a limitating filter in which I currently exist in, the limitations of my biology. But at the same time, it's so deeply beautiful that I can simply just experience emotions and feelings. But the one thing that I took from all of this was in that place, when I was devoid of a body, I was very, very highly aware of the amount of anxiety, the amount of weird emotions that riff and sift through us on any, any specific moment, the biological mechanisms, the hormones that make us do things. It was a state of absolute tranquility. And it was, again, it was one of those things when I was back in my body of just feeling these emotions come up and not necessarily knowing what to do with them because it had seemed that I had just completely disconnected from everything that is this biological mechanism of this atom. And now was back into this fold. You know, I started doing psychedelics subsequently afterwards. And I feel that <laughs> the very nature of death experience yeah. is so <laughs> Hell yeah, it is. to these psychedelic compounds and dimethyltryptamine in our bodies. DMT. Is responsible for dreaming and death. There you and go. I feel that the experience itself has made me so deeply spiritual. You know, I think I was superficially spiritual before in the sense that we just trivially use the word, you know, without necessarily understanding the deeper meaning behind it. But it's almost like experiencing infinite consciousness and becoming part of it and then coming back to this and still having that awareness. The awareness that we're just part of something that is so profoundly complicated, so infinitely perfect. So I think something to take away from all of this or something that I've noticed has changed in me and my personality is my ability to just simply appreciate a moment as opposed to applying meaning to everything or plans or language is simply able to be in a space and appreciate what's going on. You know, I, I noticed that with my daughter a lot, just simply being in a space and enjoying every moment of it. And, you know, one thing I also want to mention in this is the similarities to psychedelic experiences and being dead. 
you know, one could arguably suggest that my death experience was just an endogenous dimethyltryptamine release, which mm. is commonly referred to as NNDMT. Mm. And subsequent psychedelic experiences have been death. They've been versions of this. They've arguably been more profound than death actually was. And I think that at the end of the day, the one thing that I would say to someone if they asked me what I took from this or the advice associated with it is that death is quite possibly the most natural thing that happens. Being dead was easy. It was perfect. It was beautiful. You know, it's being alive that's difficult and hard. And I think Amen, brother. death in itself is just simply a transition. It's becoming infinite. It's becoming the fabric of the universe. It's being perfect. You know, one could argue that we're all perfect already, but we just refuse to acknowledge that. And being death was just absolute perfection. And I think that, you know, the common fear that we all have is our mortality. And it's understandable. It's genetically motivated. You know, if we didn't have a fear of death, we wouldn't be a species that we are today. But again, death just was simply perfection. It was becoming everything. And it was perfect. And I think that it's made me spiritual in a sense. You know, I think before I was spiritual, but superficially. Whereas now it seems that spirituality has taken on a very significant depth in me. Where I viscerally know what we all are and where we're all going. And this guy seems like he talks about spirituality about like vegans talk about, about being vegan. Are you spiritual? I'm very spiritual. I got my crystals out in the car. You know, I, I'm i kind of along the... So, when you die, from what I understand, your body releases all the DMT, mm-hmm. the dimethyltryptamine. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you are... For anybody that's ever done DMT, I have not. I may have done other psychedelics. <laughs> but uh, DMT... Um, from what I understand, you can have some seriously spiritual trips. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that so many people talk about, you know, these crazy things. <laughs> um, I, I venture to say that I've never heard of anybody being dead for multiple days and having a trip that lasted that long. It's always minutes, hours, maybe. Yeah. And they come back with these profound, um, spiritual journeys and uh i don't know maybe it's just the dmt maybe there is nothing and maybe for that split moment in time <laughs> you're it just, just feels like it takes forever and it feels like it takes forever um i would actually like to try dmt and see what that's like i, I need to talk to some spirits <laughs> and see what they have to say to me um yeah i will that, let uh, you just uh ride that one out buddy <laughs> i'll let you know <laughs> um yeah, I uh, I've heard of some people doing DMT and um, just having these wild experiences, learning about themselves, very introspective type things, uh, which is super interesting to me. Um, I just don't know. So many of these experiences, though, seem similar to me. And from what yeah. I understand, there's been some near death experiences where the people know things that there's no way they could have known. Um you know, involving their death, things like that. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, it's, I've never had a, uh, I've never had a near death experience. 
I've been I've close to death, once. but never I've rolled the truck once. <laughs> yeah. Were yeah. you were you clinically proven dead for a minute? Oh God, no, <laughs> no. I I just I I mean it was yeah. it was honestly the most non dramatic rollover accident <laughs> that could ever happen. Like, um, there's the road, the grass was left. The state, in hindsight, I probably should have went after the state and got a free truck. But anyway, <laughs> um, the state didn't have markers up for a drop-off and they were just cutting the grass level with the road and there was actually like a two-foot drop-off oh wow <laughs> off the side of the road into this big ditch and i uh went up to pull over for a fire truck and my front driver passenger tire went off and it did the truck just slowly went oh shit and then just one two and then three down into this ditch like super not dramatic, super just had yeah. my seatbelt on and everything was upside down. And I just, and then uh, the truck that was going on a call had to stop and help me. Oh my God. And then one of the firefighters jumped out and took running off down the road to their uh, diabetic response call. They were going on. And uh, yeah, it, I mean, it was wild, but it was no near death experience. What was the first thing that came out of your mouth after it happened? Do you remember? But I was 16. That was literally okay. 20 years ago. I have okay. no idea what the first words out of my mouth were. Interesting. Hmm. <laughs> it'd, be a, it'd be a ride, dude. My God. It was, it was, it was something. It was, it was wild, but yeah, that's that's the closest I've gotten to a near-death experience. Um, how about you, my man? Uh no, I so mine was uh we'll say two times and they all involved water and drowning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I never officially clinically drowned. Um, the first time it was, uh, at my cousin's apartment complex. Um, I fancied myself a good swimmer and unfortunately yeah. I was not as good as I thought I was young. Very, very young. Um, I got rescued by some old man. <laughs> uh, but the one that really scared me and it, it formed my fear of the ocean, uh, is uh, the one that happened in Ocean Shores, Washington. Yep, um, I remember you talking about this. Yeah, got sucked out, dude. <laughs> I've never been so scared in my entire life uh, because I was I was always afraid of the ocean, but I had never experienced the power. <laughs> and when you are a child getting sucked out and the ground feels like it's moving at 100 miles an hour, and no matter how hard you try, you just keep getting pulled further and further and how quick it happens... Um, when you're trying to fight and then your body, you know, being young and not in like physically good condition for a situation like that, uh, eventually you just, you have nothing left to give and you just float and you get hit with waves and you're sucking in water. I drank so much seawater, dude. It was so bad. Uh, but I ne never, never actually died. Was thankfully rescued by my uncles. Um, so, uh, I'm see, I just don't understand why people insist on dicking with the ocean. Like, in all honesty, Not there's anymore. so much. There's so many things in there that like they don't want to eat us, but they'll take a nibble. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, how many people have actually had uh, in the chat? If you have had a near death experience where you've actually died, I'd be interested to talk to you about that. Um, bro, I owned a second gen Ram Dutch guys, <laughs> and yeah, you ain't kidding. <laughs> they are 
I owned one too, and it was They're absolute death traps. Yeah, the scariest, <laughs> the scariest moment I've ever been a passenger. Well, that's not really true, but I was very scared when my wife drove it for the first time. Yeah, I get scared every time my wife drives too. <laughs> I was like, because uh, I, I just knew because it was a diesel and it, uh, it did not handle very well. Yeah, and I was just worried that she wouldn't know how to react if we hit a bump hard enough and it got death wobble. <laughs> but thankfully, oh, that didn't the death wobble. Um, but yeah, I just don't. So many of the experiences are similar, and if you talk to people that have done DMT, it seems like everybody has a, a vastly different experience. So, well, the, I would imagine, in all honesty, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it's just my no, it's all good. Thought popped into my head. Um, what makes it slow? What makes everything slow down would have to be the adrenaline dump. Oh yeah, probably. Like that. <laughs> that like for him to be like when he was saying like it felt like he it was hours. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you that was the adrenaline dump, just slowing everything sure. down so his mind and body could try to process what was going on. Mm-hmm. And then he was just getting shocked again. Like, I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just a, I'm just spitballing. I mean, I have no idea. I mean, it's just, I would think that's what slows time, the time down is sure. that dump. Cause that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to like kick everything to overdrive and then like, and that's what guys that, fight a lot say like they're if they get an adrenaline dump it slows everything down they mm-hmm. they have time to think about it yeah it's very interesting the chemicals that our body produces that can have those types of effects on us you know what's amazing is how strong we actually are when our brains aren't controlling how much output we use that's true are you, are you uh, give me an example Bro, like a, like uh like our brain literally has blocks in place to keep us from using 100% of our strength so that we don't damage ourselves. Yeah. Are you talking about like women lifting their cars up? Oh, yeah. Like stuff, like stuff, like, stuff like that yeah. and everything else. Like, or like people that are on drugs, like how crazy mm. strong they are. The drugs <laughs> don't make you stronger. It's just that your body can't isn't processing that. It should be blocking how much of that strength you use. Like it literally, are, we are so much stronger than we actually are because our brain keeps us from using 100% of it because mm. it doesn't want us to tear ourselves up. Even though like, I I mean, I have arthritis in my elbows, my shoulders hurt all the time from all my years of manhandling 800-pound round bales. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I, You know, I've heard that. I've also heard that, uh, you know, mind over matter type stuff where we only use oh, yeah. 10% of our brains. I heard that's scientifically bullshit, though. That's what I heard. That that part of it, I will I will agree with that that science. Like, no, we're mm. using all of, we're using all of our brain, but we only use 10% at a time. Um, but I mean, I have I am a complete believer in mind over matter. Like, uh, for prime time example, um, shooting injuries with police officers. Mm. They teach you in academy. I've been through academy. They teach you in academy that, and anybody in the service has probably heard this as well, that no matter what happens to you, keep telling yourself you're going to survive. Keep pushing and telling yourself you're going to survive because it's the guys that say they're going to make it that make it. And they're like shot like 18 times and they're like half a foot's gone and they somehow are still going. Yeah, It's the guys that get in their mind that they're not going to make after getting shot that die of getting shot in the arm or something. You know what I mean? Jesus. <laughs> like they're just like, they're just convinced that they're uh. going to die. So their bodies, so they like over, like they freak out and their body just can't handle. It and it just 
like they force themselves into a shutdown. Like I'm a very pro, I'm very pro mind over matter. Okay. That's interesting. I never really thought of it like that. Hmm. Interesting. Man, just always keep the mindset. You're going to survive. Yeah. You got big daddy, big block watching your back. You're going to make it. <laughs> I, that's probably the only reason why if I ever went into a haunted location, I wouldn't worry too much. <laughs> just because I'm like, would I don't know if the ghost would pick off <laughs> or if a demon would pick off the low hanging fruit or if he'd go for the biggest one first, <laughs> the biggest, strongest goes down first. And then they just pick me off as I'm running. Um, yeah, because I know I have no doubt in my mind, Chris. If I go down, you're just gonna leave me. Mm, just so I'm not you, like that, dude, bro. <laughs> I would tell you save yourself. Like I was getting drugged down a hallway, I'd be like, just go. I would already be halfway down the hallway. I think you said go. <laughs> gone, gone. <laughs> um, uh, bro. So I was watching this video earlier with my kid because he likes watching this guy and his kids. Um, they found an abandoned military base that's underground in Alaska. And apparently everybody knows about it because people can go wander around it. But he got it. They, they, they can go inside it. Really? And uh, they were wandering around in there and everything. And I look at my wife and I go, do you know how intense of a horror movie this would make if there was a bear <laughs> in there with them and they were wondering? And yeah. it's, there's no lights. It's just your headlamp and your flashlight. I was like, do you know how intense of a horror movie that would be? Oh my of God. just getting lost in there and there's a bear wandering around in there with you. Yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> That'd be intense, and you could make that movie super cheap. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. I had to look that up. That's bro. That's I was watching, good. I was like, that would be next level intense. Like you're just trying to make your way out of this with you, your kid, and a bear's hunting you. <laughs> um Let's uh, let's visit just a video on life after death. I'm just curious to see. Yeah, let's see what they got to say about it. Out. And we'll we'll end on reincarnation because that's very fascinating to me. Um, especially when it comes to like little kids knowing about past lives and information that they couldn't possibly know. That is very very interesting. All right, same thing here. Let's take a look. okay surgeon struck by lightning discovers the god energy near-death experience life after death communicating with the other side um oh that's a y files um science proves what really happens does this prove there's life after death that's interesting so here's the thing do we want to go for a longer video or a shorter video what do you i don't know uh chat what do you think longer or shorter video um, I really want Josh touching on this while they decide what they're going to say. Um, I really want to go see that movie, but I just haven't gotten around to going to the movies lately. There's just, I just have so much to do around the house. Oh shit. I saw cocaine bear. I watched it the other day. Yeah. What'd you think? I thought it was a lot of fun. It was a lot, it is of, a fun. lot of fun. It it's is a funny. lot of fun. Um, yeah. Good, good movie. I thought it was good. <laughs> there was a bear and it was, fucked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Shorter and more talk. Okay. Um, I, like, I like where Aaron's at. Okay, so then go up. Let's watch the uh, the uh, surgeon one. Oh, that's 27 minutes. God dang. Um, down. The uh, science. The eight-minute one. Science proves. Okay. Let's prove. Yeah. Check this one out. Hey, you ever seen a wealthy person or a wealthy family or a gen- 
Hate that guy. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, God. We know how it ends. <laughs> right now, until technology serves up a solution or something entirely unexpected happens to our species, we're all mortal. For every single one of us, our days on Earth are numbered. But of course, many believe that this earthly life isn't all there is, that there's something else waiting for us whenever this is all over. But have we finally found evidence of that as well? This is Unveiled, and today we're answering the extraordinary question, does this prove that there's life after death? Do you need the big questions answered? Are you constantly curious? Yes. Then why yes. not subscribe to Unveiled for more clips like this one and ring the bell for more thought-provoking content. Heaven, hell, the underworld, the afterlife. Cultural depictions of a time after the time we're alive right now are many. And in fact, there's some argument that a variation of life after death is the key ingredient to any major religion. It needs to convince its followers that it can provide an answer to the unanswerable. What happens when we die? In more recent times, however, the afterlife isn't only the domain of theology and faith. Science has become increasingly interested in it, too, with countless studies and theories making headlines. In just the last decade or so, we've seen news that dying brains have been meticulously scanned, with researchers looking for signs of a post-life something. There are also countless recollections of near-death experiences, many of which are reportedly very similar, with white lights, yes, tunnel vision, and a life review. However, the cases that have really turned heads are those that have been clinically tested and verified. And the AWARE study, or Awareness During Resuscitation, is perhaps the most comprehensive of all. Published in 2014 in the journal Resuscitation, it refers back to a large-scale four-year initiative started in 2008, involving 2,060 patients in hospitals in the United Kingdom, the USA, and Austria. All patients were cardiac arrest survivors, having gone without a heartbeat for varying lengths of time. Once brought back to the living, the patients were extensively interviewed, and the findings still rank as some of the most perplexing and intriguing in medical science in recent years. 46% of those interviewed were able to report memories that researchers then categorized under seven different themes. Hmm. Memories of fear, of animals and <clears throat> plants, of violence and persecution, of bright light, of deja vu, memories of their family, and finally, of events happening after their cardiac arrest. Around 2% of those interviewed, upwards of 30 people, reported a visceral awareness of their own resuscitation, too. They could remember the physicians working over them, trying to get their heart to restart, even after it had stopped. In most cases, these memories will have formed in up to a three-minute time window after the initial loss of heartbeat. But the brain is known to cease functioning after only 30 seconds or so without the heart. There was then up to two and a half minutes in some cases where the patient could have been deemed technically dead. Thankfully, they were brought back, but in the meantime, they had managed to create memories from somewhere. In some cases, all physical signs of consciousness had disappeared, but clearly something was still happening. In the context of the AWARE study, it was deemed that this kind of experience might then contribute to feelings of post-traumatic stress disorder after suffering a heart attack. There are then some wider suggestions that even if you have a heart attack and you can't recall anything about the minutes that followed, Whatever did happen might still go some way to affect your mental health in the future. However, more broadly still, what could the study be showing us about the concept of an afterlife in general? Here, it would appear that conscious experience actually is being created after the heart has stopped beating, and potentially after the cognitive signs of consciousness have faded out. 
One implication, then, is that it might be possible to miss consciousness in a person believed to be dead. Move one step further down that road, and might it be possible for that level of consciousness to just continue and continue indefinitely undetected? And isn't that really what the afterlife would be? Elsewhere, and around the same time as the AWARE study was made public, reports emerged of a similar effort conducted in Berlin, Germany. <clears throat> Although details are today scarce, it's alleged that more than 900 people were made technically dead under medical supervision for 20 minutes at a time. What? During that massive window, it's said that those people formed memories, mostly of out-of-body experiences. That they. Let me get this straight. They were killing people on purpose. Bro, they've done several movies about that. Like, yeah, uh, movies. <laughs> real. I mean, shit. are you shocked that Germany would do something that messed up? Uh, uh, good point. <laughs> Get on the train for a minute. <laughs> That's great. Now I'm really curious about this. They could then report back to researchers upon their being brought back Holy to life. Shit. Importantly, this study doesn't appear in any verified journals. But ultimately, well, yeah, because it's like are murder, then <laughs> it would serve as simply an elongation of the results published by Aware. Again, it would seem that the end actually isn't the end in some cases. In was it Kevin Bacon or was it Keith or Sutherland? To calculate the like, I'm thinking of flat. I'm thinking of flatliners. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In an oh, international oh. study based out of Kevin Denmark, Bacon did, Norway, uh, and again Germany, it, it, it was found around one in ten people have it. More than 1,000 people were featured in the study, all with a variety of individual circumstances surrounding their NDE. However, perhaps the most disturbing takeaway here was that almost three-quarters of those studied said that their NDE had been unpleasant. While the more archetypal white light and warm fuzzy feelings may have seeped into our collective consciousness, it would seem that actually this isn't what we should expect. Oh, shit. In all of the studies mentioned in this video, Here the outer go. body experience, or OBE, was a prominent feature. Some of AWARE's heart attack survivors reported viewing themselves from above. It said that some of those in the Berlin study were left feeling as though they had levitated. And OBEs were regularly cited in the 2019 survey, too. As yet, science doesn't really have an answer for this particular aspect of death. It doesn't seem to oh, happen universally, but it is one of the more common... So they pretty much astral project themselves. Yeah. Yeah, we need to do a show on that. There's some pretty Ooh. interesting astral projection shit out there. Oh no, you, I'm sorry, Aaron, you were correct. Kevin Bacon and Keith Sutherland were both in that movie. That was my that was my bad. Oh, they both were. Yeah, I googled it real fast. They were, oh. they were both in it. Hmm. Um, so was so was the less popular bald one, and the Miss Julia Roberts. Oh, interesting. Uh -huh. And then they did a 2017 remake. <laughs> I bet they did. Whenever anyone has clinically died, is fortunately brought back, and has the memories stored of what they saw and felt. What's your verdict on this issue? Let us know in the comments. Is it perhaps telling that despite the potentially profound implications that this research could have, it still isn't especially spoken about in the mainstream? No doubt there is a taboo surrounding death. Despite its inevitability, not everyone is overly keen to talk or think about it. But still... On this morbid but bleeding edge of science and technology, there are those seeking answers, verifiable evidence that there's something else after we die. For those behind the AWARE study in particular, their results might be especially important because they come from those who have been brought back after a cardiac arrest. While definitions of the moment of death do differ from country to country, culture to culture, whenever the heart stops beating, we always know that the person is in serious trouble. Within seconds, their brain will become starved of oxygen. 
and while the rest of their body will fight, it will fail within just a few short moments. It would appear that the same can't be said for consciousness, however. It would seem as though that might continue, even if science is of yet unable to explain how. In the AWARE study, more than 2,000 people suffered the unfortunate experience of a heart attack, but almost half of them also tapped into some kind of energy even when they were technically passed. Of course, this takes us back to those various ancient claims of many religions. It's just that from a religious point of view, you usually needn't have evidence that an afterlife exists. You just need the faith that it's real. Science doesn't work the same way, but it does accept that there are things that we don't know. For now, the afterlife remains, to a certain extent, one of those things. And by definition, you can't know unless you're dead, and you can't reveal what you know if you are dead. It's an impossible situation. Nevertheless, work is ongoing, and the studies are bearing fruit. Bizarrely, they rarely receive the global coverage that you might expect. But there is something of a modern revolution going on when it comes to this particular unknowable field. A favorite space for science fiction writers for years, it's now beginning to be a major point of interest for academics, too. And that's why we might already have proof that there is life after death. What do you think? Is there anything we missed? Let us know in the comments. Check out these other clips from Unveiled. And Interesting. <clears throat> okay. So, I mean, yeah, that yeah. kind of touched on what I believe, that our consciousness keeps going and then How it could come around is... again. How crazy is that, though, that science can't explain something like that? That's I mean, there's a lot science can't actually explain, but. No. <laughs> um. <laughs> there's this. I mean, I heard about this guy in Germany. They put it in a pig's heart. Oh, wow. Did he live? Oh, no, he died. But the fact that they're trying this stuff. <laughs> um, Man, that's it boggles my mind that we've been studying that for so long. And they still can't figure out why there's consciousness after death. Clinically dead. No brain activity. Germany is leaving him on ice for 20 minutes. And they're like, all right, we might want to pull him back out of it. <laughs> we can bring him back. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. My mind's a little blown on that. And I guess we won't know until <laughs> we're about to take that journey. You know what I mean? Don't you worry, Chris. I'll Don't hit worry. you with the defibrillator. <laughs> <laughs> and then bring you back. Well, why don't you wait until about 19 and a half minutes and then bring me back? <laughs> we'll have some stories. <laughs> like, oh. bro. My God. Yeah, what a trip. That's, oh, that's super trippy, dude. Um, just the idea that science can't, ex like, outwardly just, we can't explain it. That, to me, that speaks volumes. And it, yeah. I don't know if it speaks volumes on there's a reason why because we were created so that that wouldn't be the case. So <laughs> the one mystery. Um, however, there have been communications with ghosts, allegedly, um, where they've talked to people about death. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. Um, I'd be interested in doing some research on that and seeing what, uh, what people have come up with. Um, you know, we talked to uh, our AI and AI said uh, that there was no proof. <laughs> So, yeah um i don't know i guess i guess i guess it was right there is no proof that there's something after death but i would think that if there's consciousness after somebody is clinically dead if there's consciousness after that then that's life after death right <laughs> i mean you would think so yeah hmm. i mean like i said i think our consciousness keeps going on i can't say where it goes but 
Well, I had an agreement with my grandma that when she inevitably be inevitably passed away, that she would give me a sign of her existence in an afterlife. And I don't think I have concrete evidence of anything like that. So uh, I don't know what to think. If there was somebody that I think that would be willing to connect like that in the afterlife, I would think it would be her. But uh, she's probably like, look. she's probably like, fuck that guy. <laughs> she's like, it's way too cool up here to bother with that shit. <laughs> Uh, or she knows the truth about all the heinous stuff I've done. She's like, I'm not visiting him at all. <laughs> She's like, and he thinks he deserves a visit. <laughs> uh, the ones I've I've heard some stories about people going to hell and visiting hell, and I'm like, oh god. Uh, did you see that news article where a priest died and went to hell? Oh and shit! Like, no. <laughs> and everybody's like, wait a minute, why did a priest die? Because he said they were playing Taylor Swift music in hell to torture people. And all everybody took away from it was, why did a priest go to hell? <clears throat> Gee, wonder why. He's like, it was actually crazy. There was more priests down there. <laughs> there was more priests. <laughs> Not one child. Like that's it. I don't think you would find a kid in hell. I really don't. <laughs> I would think not. I mean, <laughs> you know. I mean, I don't know. I've met some shitbird kids, but yeah. <laughs> I, I also have a like when it comes to religion. I have a big problem with some of the things that they say about accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yeah. And if you don't do that, then you there's no way to get into heaven. Yeah. And I'm like, what about mentally handicapped people? Yeah, you know, what about like, those guys? My little brother is low-functioning autistic. Yeah. And I'm not sure he would be able to comprehend accepting Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. So are you telling me that my little brother is inevitably going to go to hell? Yeah. I, I, can't, uh, I can't get behind that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, no, can't get behind that at all. So I don't know. A Vatican city episode. Jeez. Bro. I was about to ask you, have you heard the new thing where they're like saying that the, uh, Roman empire didn't disappear. It just became the Vatican. I mean, I... and the Pope's the emperor. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it's possible, <laughs> you know, they just rebranded. Yeah. <laughs> you know, successfully. Good God. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. All right, where are we at? 46 minutes. I think that's enough time to talk about some reincarnation, dude. Buddha. Let's see. What how do you feel about reincarnation, Matt? What do you feel about that? I think it's the, I think it's real. You like think... I said, man, like I said, how do we know that this alleged light at the end of the tunnel isn't us just coming around again? Yeah. I actually heard a theory. Um, or not even a theory. It was actually a near-death experience, and uh, the guy said that when during his life review, he was seeing not just a life on Earth, but a life on other planets as other beings, um, and they were all lives that he had lived. And uh, that's pretty trippy to me. <laughs> like, whoa! And I really thought about that as a possibility until I saw that one. I was like. Yeah, I guess why would we just limit ourselves to human beings, you know? Dutch, did you make a second profile to try to start dropping knowledge? <laughs> He's like, I'm going to double time it. <laughs> um, okay, let me see here. Hi, Miss Dutch. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I believe in reincarnation. I do. All right. Let's see what we got here. 
Reincarnated Kid, two-hour marathon. We don't got time for that. <laughs> Big name stars reincarnated as Why kids. is That's everything kind of like two shit. hours? Just give me like an eight-minute video. No. There we go. The Astonishing Reincarnation Case of Patrick Christensen. All right, I guess we'll go with that one. It's seven minutes. We might check that one out, too, if we got time. Let's check this out. I've been in and out of therapy with BetterHelp. It looks like you need to get back into therapy. Look at them brows. <laughs> How dare you? Oh, wow. Oh, paranormal, huh? All right, here we go. Reincarnation. Children usually remember a past life experience when they're between the ages of two and seven. And as they get What'd older, the memories begin to fade. <laughs> what I say? Interest, <laughs> where they become less interested in the past and are more involved in the present. About 70% of reincarnation stories involve violent or unnatural deaths. And most of the lives that the children describe took place about 500 kilometers away from their current location. It is also interesting to note that the children who recounted a past life tended to have more advanced verbal skills at a younger age and might have experienced heightened emotions such as preferring to be with their former families. They may also have phobias that may relate to that previous life or possibly angry with their murderer if they died a violent death. These memories are usually spontaneous and a memory may be awakened when the child sees something that is familiar or recognize which they could then verbalize when they're able to recall the event. Many children who report memories of past lives often live in countries like India, Sri Lanka and Lebanon, which share cultural beliefs about reincarnation. But that is not always the case, such as a country like the United States, where reincarnation is not part of the culture, where the child of parents with no pre-existing beliefs about reincarnation has talked about living a past life and in some cases have even remembered what the name of the family is. Some of these parents have brought their children in to visit paranormal researchers at the Division of Perceptual Studies at the University of Virginia. The following is one of those cases where a mother approached the medical authorities about her son's strange behaviour and physical traits. In 1991, Patrick Christensen from Michigan was born by caesarean section and when the nurses brought him to his mother, she immediately felt that he was connected to her first son, Kevin, who had died of cancer at the age of two in 1979, 12 years earlier. When she examined Patrick, she found certain scar-type features that displayed three defects that matched those of Kevin when he passed away. Her first son, Kevin, had started to limp at the age of one and a half. Then one day, he fell down and broke his left leg. Doctors then did a biopsy of a nodule on his head above his right ear and diagnosed him with metastatic cancer. On further examinations, they found other abnormalities when doing a bone scan. His left eye was bruised and started to protrude and a tumour was diagnosed. Kevin then had to undergo chemotherapy where a large intravenous lime was placed into the right side of his neck causing it to become swollen but the treatment was initially successful and he was discharged from hospital. Kevin continued to receive outpatient treatment but unfortunately had to return to hospital five months later with a fever which was treated with antibiotics but they also found that he was now blind in his left eye and the cancer had now spread. 
He was again discharged from hospital and sadly died two days later, three weeks shy of his second birthday. Kevin's parents had separated before his death and his mother had eventually remarried and later gave birth to a daughter and a son before Patrick was born. When Patrick was born, his mother found a slanting birthmark that looked like a small cut on the right side of his neck. The scar was in the exact location when the intravenous tube was placed into Kevin. She also found another scar on his head that looked like the nodule that was on Kevin's head above his right ear where Kevin's biopsy tumour had been. Doctors also found Patrick's left eye looked to be opaque, which was diagnosed as a cornelian leucoma, and like Kevin, caused him to have poor vision in that eye. Strangely, when Patrick began to walk, he started to limp, where he favoured his left leg, just like Kevin when he started to limp before breaking his left leg. When Patrick had started to talk, and when he was almost four and a half years old, he began to talk about things that his mother felt were related to what Kevin had experienced. He would Mm. talk about wanting to go back to their previous home and said to his mother that she'd left him there. He was even able to describe the colour of the previous home being orange and brown, which was correct. He also asked his mother whether she remembered when he had surgery and she told him that he'd never had any surgery. But then he pointed to the area above his right ear, exactly where Kevin had had a biopsy taken of a nodule. He also added that he had not remembered the actual surgery because he'd been asleep when it was being done. On another occasion, Patrick saw a picture of Kevin and told his mother that the photo was of him. After Patrick continued to talk about what seemed like another life, his mother decided to contact Carol Bowman. Carol is an author, lecturer, counsellor and therapist known for her works in studying cases of reincarnation especially those involving young children, who has written two books about children who talk about previous lives, children's past lives and return from heaven. After a number of phone conversations, Carol Bowman offered guidance on how to deal with the past life issues that her son was regularly talking about. Carol Bowman and the renowned Professor Ian Stevenson at the University of Virginia School of Medicine, an expert in reincarnation studies, then visited the family when Patrick was five years old. When they were at their home, they investigated the various scars on Patrick and photographed the birthmark on Patrick's neck, which was a 4mm dark slanting line on the lower part of his right side of his neck that looked like a healed cut. The nodule on his head was very hard to see, but Professor Stevenson could easily feel a small mass and documented it. They could also see the opaque appearance in Patrick's left eye and obtained copies of an eye examination that he had received. They watched him walk and could easily see that he had a slight limp, yet medical authorities could find no explanation of why he had the limp. They then obtained Kevin's medical records, which had documented all of his medical history, which included the lesions that corresponded exactly with Patrick's current birthmarks. They even visited the previous home where Kevin and his mother had lived in 1979, and although he had correctly described the colour scheme, he did not remember the actual house. All in all, Patrick did have three unusual lesions when he was born that appeared to correspond to lesions that his half-brother Kevin had suffered and that he'd limped when he began walking and also alluded to events in Kevin's life when talking to his mother. Huh. I really ended that in a creepy way. <laughs> yeah. What are you guys doing? Um, very interesting. Could be total bullshit. <laughs> I mean, it could be. But I mean, man, that's actually that was actually a really good video. Um, it was. So, I've have you ever heard that theory about birthmarks being 
mm-hmm. where how you were killed in your past life. Yeah, transferred over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, James Lee has a birthmark on the back of his neck. Was anybody else surprised that Matt was going to have some sort of crazy story? Okay, continue. Yeah, I mean, that's just all I got is he has really? a birthmark on his neck. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. My daughter has a weird birthmark on, like, part of her body. Um, yeah. It's just, a like, her skin, if you look at it, it's just slightly, it's slightly different. And I, the doctor just said, eh, it's, you know, sometimes it happens. And I was like... Interesting. It's not, you'd have to really pay attention to notice the difference in color, but it's there. Um, that's interesting. I never really thought about the possibility. I'll get a picture of James Lee's. It's, it's right on mm-hmm. this. It's like, like on this, like the back side, mm-hmm. like not squared up in the middle, but like on the back side, like somebody like, hmm. Jeez. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, uh, I mean, I'll send, I'll, I'll get a picture of it tomorrow. Yeah. He's, he's, have you ever asked right him? now? Have you ever asked him about uh, a potential no. past life? He's Bro, never said anything weird. That. I don't want to poke that tiger. Do you really want me to have that story up on you? No, like, no, no. Really. I come in here and be like, yeah, my kid, uh, <laughs> kid talks about his past life. <laughs> yeah. I, God, that's... I don't know if I've ever asked my... I think I might have asked my daughter if she remembered anything about her last life. And she was just like, uh, Paw Patrol. <laughs> Turn on Paw Patrol, you idiot. Quit asking me questions. <laughs> Oh man. Um Dutch guys has a birthmark on his third nipple. That's <laughs> Miss Dutch, I need you to confirm if he actually has a uh, third nipple. Miss Dutch, is your husband full of shit? We need to know that right now. See Yank in our chain. <laughs> um Yeah, I mean, so many stories about children, especially remembering things that they should not know, including names, photographs. Um, identifying who they thought they were in the past life and that corresponding with the correct name that they said, things like that. Uh, they really get you wondering, dude. Really get you wondering. I mean, like I, like I said, what I say in the beginning, kids uh, remember stuff. Uh, what I said, man, you just, uh, man, we don't need to watch videos anymore. Just ask me. Just ask me. <laughs> I got us. We should just, we should do a supplemental channel and just, throw questions at you and have you answer them <laughs> everybody tells me you're the funny one and i agree and i'm like yeah matt could just do the show by himself i'll just ask matt questions he answers them <laughs> see i don't feel like i'm the funny one who, who i says absolutely every who says who says and i agree funny one? i agree and i uh, who was i talking with recently damn it um oh so this guy at work he's probably gonna watch this his name's steven cool guy i, I call him <laughs> He looks just like Quentin Tarantino. Oh man! Um, but he's a little thicker, like in the face. Yeah. And uh, so, so I call. So I call, he's thick and Tino. I, I call him Plump Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steven, if you're listening to this, I like the guy. I think he's. I think he's fun. And I just started talking to him about paranormal stuff. He's been watching the show, and uh, he absolutely says you're the funny one. <laughs> I appreciate it. No, you have. Uh, that's why I love doing the show with you, dude. This is great. I think. I think this is uh, this is probably uh, the funnest. Like I look forward to doing this show, and sometimes, like I feel more guilty and deprived myself when we don't do an episode, like last week when we skipped out because I had some stuff to do. Um, I feel guilty because, and like I feel bad because I'm like, God, I really wanted to hang out with Matt and laugh. <laughs> it's just always a good time. That's why I'm, dude. The clock is ticking. We're about to go on this road trip, it's bro. I'm telling you. 
I don't think Blake understands what's going to happen when you and I are doing lives on this like eight hour yeah. road trip. Like, yeah. like, like some of who was it? I was talking to. I can't remember who I was talking to. I was like, you better be ready to do interviews because we're doing interviews too. Because <laughs> we're doing a documentary. And they yeah. go, oh, you don't, you don't want me doing an interview. You don't know what'll come out of my mouth. I was like, you clearly have not watched any of my shows with Chris or any of his lives when I'm around. Got to be real, unfiltered, you know. <laughs> I ain't proud of it, but I'll show it. <laughs> uh, Scott said he's still waiting on the talking paranormal on the road. The uh, the Route 66 paranormal trip that we will be taking. Um, Bro, I gotta get to where I get more time off than I know what I get right now. I'm waiting patiently. By then, we'll have it all planned out. We'll be perfect and won't put too much of a... Maybe we'll be monetized by then. Because honestly, we're going to put that out and get nothing in return. <laughs> you <know>? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah we're going we're gonna to be like, we, did, we spent two weeks on the road making this documentary. These are our stories. Like, I'm getting drug off into the bushes by a Wendigo. And <laughs> we're going to have like a GoFundMe. Like, we have $7 left and we still have a week to go and we need to eat. So, if you can kindly send some money our way. <laughs> Bro, have you not heard about the two British guys that are over here? Like, rented an RV and everything and been traveling the country off of their TikTok and really? GoFundMe's. Oh, yeah. Nice. It's nice. Uh, Josh from England and his buddy. Um, bro, but I mean, they just they they just been road tripping. Interesting. Hmm. Um, Breaking Bad style RV. <laughs> I would I, rock. I would rock the RV. I don't care. This uh, this Mo Party road trip we're gonna do. It's gonna be a good experiment. Good practice. Um, I really want the the paranormal road trip to be awesome. Like bro, legit. I, I this is selfish of me. But my number one goal on the road trip to Mo Party is to get that Cuda off the trailer so I can drive it for a little bit. <laughs> That's all I'm worried about. I'm so paranoid about driving other people's cars. It, there's something about it that makes me so paranoid that uh, I don't know. I, I feel I'll be like... terrified doing it, but how often am I going to get the chance to drive a Amy Swap's four speed Cuda? You'll get your chance, buddy. <laughs> You'll get your chance. Um, Somebody asked me about the vet today. Like, when is that thing going to get a Hemi? And I said, as soon as I can get it down to Louisiana. <laughs> Louisiana. Oh. But, um, yeah, man, that road trip. It's going to happen. It might take a little bit. But uh, I'm not even kidding when I say I want it to be so good when it's fully produced that we can shop it to, like, Amazon. Guys, like, I'm going to tell you all right now. <laughs> I, I, I made the investment with a little bit of sponsorship. Uh, I got Final Cut Pro, and Jesus Christ, dude, it's intimidating. Nice, bro, it's intimidating. Oh yeah, it is. Like I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there just looking at, it, and I'm like, oh my god, I I overshot. <laughs> <laughs> dude, that's what YouTube's for. Any questions? So when uh w- when I started podcasting, um, before I actually hit record for the first time, I spent a couple weeks just watching videos on how to record and edit very quickly um audio yeah and uh just because i wanted it to i knew that i could spend hours and hours like trying to fine-tune something and uh, i found a series of videos that were super easy to follow and um i've actually used all those techniques since and my process is very easy a lot of people reach out to me about how to do podcasts and uh how do you think we became friends (laughs) yeah yeah it's uh 
dude, it's so. E- I mean, how hard was it, Matt? <laughs> be honest, bro. I'll tell you right now. So, for those of you that don't know, how Chris and I met, I literally sent him an email for his uh, listener stories about my duster, and then I got ready to start a podcast with a couple of buddies of mine. And I was like, "Hey, man, ask them some questions and stuff." And Chris was sending me links like, "Use this, use this. Here you go. If you have any questions, just ask." And I was like, "Cool, thanks, man." Got my and started getting my show going. And then kept listening to Chris's show. And then he had Blake Blake on. And so then one day I threw Blake and Chris in a, in a Facebook messenger group together to ask them a question. <laughs> and we've we've all been talking. I don't think there's been a day that's gone by we all haven't talked to each other since. And that was like three oh. years ago now. Three or four years yeah. ago almost now. It's crazy how that all worked. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't think, even going back, I don't think there was ever a moment where either Blake or I like had a separate chat. Like what's with this guy doing? He's kind of, you know, never, never. It was just, I don't know. For some reason you and Blake like the chemistry between the three of us, like when we chat and like, we're all, we all have the same mindset. So it works perfectly. We all have the same um, mindset, but we all have different ways we go about it. Yeah. And it, and we all just jive off of each yeah. other. Blake is definitely our voice of reason. I'll say that. Blake <laughs> is the voice of reason. I'm more of the, Hey, what do you guys think of this? Yeah. And Blake and Blake will give logical reasons why, and then Chris and I alternate on the send it. <laughs> yeah. I, I tend to be the more the more impulsive one. <laughs> uh, I make rash decisions, do <laughs> crazy I'm, shit. I'm just an idea man. I'm just the idea guy. Like I'm not a voice of reason. Like I am yeah. always the guy that'll be like, "Whoa, <laughs> what, what is what?" <laughs> We will do that as much as we want, sir. <laughs> sir, it is 2023. We don't judge. <laughs> Subscribe to my OnlyFans. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. <laughs> um, clearly, clearly. <laughs> clearly somebody doesn't know us. <laughs> Bro, you're mad at your dad, not at me. It's not my fault he didn't hug you. <laughs> oh, God, that's funny. Um, but uh, going back to the road trip thing. Road it's got to happen, but it's going to take some time. It's going like to take I a said, little bit. It's got to be done right because I don't. I mean, that's a lot of money to invest. Can you, Did hear, you that? hear that? You hear that? Hold on a second. It's a Harley. Oh, okay. Yeah. Bro, I heard that even. Potato, potato, potato. <laughs> yep. It's the Harley down the street. Um, but uh. <laughs> um yeah the road trip's going to take some delicate planning obviously money and then scheduling but uh it's going to happen it's going to be badass <laughs> and i hope i see my first ghost legit bro, <laughs> I, I know you want to see one i'm just like bro <laughs> <laughs> for those that don't know matt has seen some shit and uh he's telling me <laughs> that uh it's life changing shit. Yeah. Like you look at everything differently. Like I'm just to. saying. I need to. Do you? Do you really yeah, like? I sure do. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm ready. Um. Yeah. I just don't want to see anything like dark. You know what Bro, I mean? I'm sorry, but you're like you, you. Beggars can't be choosers. You're gonna get what you get. <laughs> Let me just see a lady in a white dress or some shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Chris is like, I just want to see some ghosts. And I'm like, we have ghosts at home. <laughs> oh, man. I, I will be honest, though. Like, if somebody was like, see that building over there right on that hill? 
You go in there alone and you're going to see a ghost. Guarantee you will see a ghost. You know what I'm going to do? Not go in that building. I'm going to go, all right. <laughs> I ain't yeah, going anywhere alone. <laughs> There's no fucking like, way. No says I. No. Like, bro, so uh, one thing we need to invest in is like a night vision, actual night vision camera. Oh, yeah. That's going to be part at of least, it. At least one. We're going to have serious. And, you know, I, let's go back to the haunted museum. I don't know if that clown was real that I saw. <laughs> However, I've never heard of them having an all-white clown. <laughs> so, who knows? Um, I should reach out to Zach. I, I, I highly doubt I could get a hold of him. Maybe I can get a hold of his producers. or Maybe I'll just call the place. Just call the joint. Yeah, call him. Call the just, joint, reach out to him or something. I mean... Yeah, it's been I months mean, now, and the shit's bro, still bothering the shit out of me. <laughs> he's actually super active on Twitter. Really? Or X now. It's called X now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, uh... I mean, they could easily creep me out and be like, no, we, you know, because that's a great I mean, they, story to have floating around. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, even the host of a popular podcast came in and saw a ghost of a clown. We don't have a white clown. I know. Uh, what's racist about a white clown? <laughs> and be careful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The midgets. <laughs> um, but yeah. Is there life after death? I think so. I think so. Oh, there's, I think something. there's something. I think there's I mean, something. there's got to be something. And I'll tell you right now, Matt, if I die and this show continues, I will make my presence known. <laughs> cool. I will. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to let you know right now. If I die. <laughs> no, don't do it. <laughs> don't do oh, it. I'm coming to visit you, buddy. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, oh. like, all you'll, all you'll hear in the middle of the night. <laughs> is chocolate starfish and hot dog flavored water oh jesus christ <laughs> hit you with the limp biscuit oh man good god um <laughs> I, <laughs> jesus uh, on that note remember folks don't stick your dick in a portal that could lead to very bad things yeah introduce yourself to your neighbors in not a fun way <laughs> yeah um Anything's possible. And of course, Matt, what's the last one? Oh, it's a thousand percent, maybe. hundred percent. Thank you folks for joining us here once again on Talking Paranormal. I don't know what we're going to talk about next week, but we'll find out um, I'm, here shortly. So, are we here next week? Yeah, we're here next week. Are we? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, what Bro. I was about to say was we're getting close to our road trip to Mo Party. Um, we've got like, what, a week, week and a half, something like that? It's not next week. It's the week after. Oh, shit. I've got so yeah. Much I've got so much work at work to do before Bro, I, I have. Like I've started to slowly but surely gather my media equipment that I have scattered all over the place. Yeah. Like I, I got all my GoPro stuff on the desk now and everything. But yeah, I've slowly but surely been gathering all my media stuff. Yeah, we got to talk about. Uh... Yeah, we'll have we'll have to figure out what we're gonna do as far as podcasting and stuff go. What what equipment we're both bringing and stuff like that. Well, I mean, so, I'll be I'll be bringing all my stuff, like computer uh, included. So yeah, for sure. I, I mean, worst comes to worst, we can throw together a quick live stream on the Saturday night before yeah. I have to get up early to go to my flight. Yeah, that's fine. We can go live on the way on the drive, dude. Yeah, we'll figure something out. But anyway, thank you, folks. We'll see you next week, possibly right here on your favorite <laughs> paranormal YouTube and Facebook show. See you later. Good night, all.